You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Well, good evening. I hope you guys are doing well tonight. Um, for those of you that are visiting, my name is Stephen Marici, and we're starting our series on the Prideful Soul's Guide to Humility. And tonight we're going to be focusing on two chapters. Um, it's going to be specifically the problem with pride and the basis for humility. Now, I've read this book before, and a couple months ago, before we even decided to start this series, uh, Ruben Deonda asked me, Stephen, uh, you know, I'd like you to read this book, Prideful Soul's Guide to Humility. And I said, I've already read that. And, yeah. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. And, um, and he said, well, I want you to read it again. So I took the book from him. I was reading another book, so I, I hadn't started reading it yet. And about two months later, Daniel Kim calls me on the phone and he says, Stephen, I got this great idea for the singles. We should study out the Prideful Soul's Guide to Humility. And I remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Like, and he's like, just hear me out, just hear me out. I think it'll be awesome. Everybody will love it. And uh, so I felt like God was showing me that I need to grow in my humility. And, um, you know, so for me, this, is, this was probably the hardest lesson I've had to do. Uh, I struggle with pride, and I feel like God has made that so evident in the last, like, few weeks. And so my dilemma was, how am I going to create, or how am I going to put together a lesson with something that I severely struggle with? And so, <laughs> yeah, even this last Sunday, um, I got into an altercation with my wife, and there's this brother named Anthony Linares. And, uh-huh. Not an altercation, okay, and there's nothing, nothing physical. Like, uh, God is still teaching me, God is still teaching me humility right now. Um, but we got in an argument, and Anthony Linares, who's an amazing brother... Um, he's not perfect, but he is an awesome brother. <laughs> yeah. Anthony witnessed our interaction, and he wanted to pull me aside. And so we were at church, and he pulls me aside behind the soundboard. And there's a brother uh, who's, who's basically putting some stuff away. And he starts to disciple me on my interaction with my wife. And the only thing I could think about was this brother standing right there, while a guy I lead is discipling me. I mean, isn't that disgusting? That's pride. You know, but that's what pride does. It doesn't allow us to resolve our conflict quickly. It didn't allow me to receive correction. And it didn't allow me to even... Even I wasn't even able to take communion on Sunday because I didn't get resolved with my wife until after church. You know, I was unable to hear Anthony and accept his love and willingness to help me be more like Christ because I cared more about what this brother thought to the right of me. 
And you know, this is Satan's plan, that our pride will destroy our relationships. Our relationships with God and our brothers and sisters. You know, he tricks us into thinking that even our own brothers and sisters can be against us, especially when they call us out on sin or try to correct us. You know, we can feel like, who are you to talk to me about that? You know, I want us to open up the book to page 18. And I've got DK doing the slides for me because I can't be up here preaching and try to change the slide as well. So page 18... And it's towards the top of the page. It says, pride looks down on others. Pride does not listen well. It is stubborn. Pride is not eager to learn because it is confident in what it already knows. Pride is not quick to admit a wrong because it fears it may look bad or lose its position. Pride is competitive and easily threatened. Pride is insecure. Pride finds it hard to rejoice in the success of others. You know, how many of us know that we're prideful? Show of hands. Okay, I think, I think a few people weren't raising their hands, but that's okay. You know, the book states that knowing you're prideful is not the problem. But... It's when we minimize it and make it smaller or we don't take it seriously that it becomes the problem. You know, our pride can manifest itself in so many different ways. And I want us to take a look at, we're actually going to go to page 19 in the book. It was too long to put on the slide, so I just said open your book. So page 19 in the book. And so pride manifests itself in different areas of our life. More more specifically, it leads to different sins that we partake in. And so on page 19, it says sexual immorality. I deserve to have my pleasure and I should not have to worry about the consequences. Lying. I don't trust that God can work through the truth. I have more confidence in my ability to deceive and distort the facts. Hatred. I am better than you. And I have a right to despise you for what you have done or what you are. Rebellion. I know better than my leaders. I can accomplish better things by doing what I want to do. You know, a lot of times we can feel like our leaders are trying to control us. And I know for me, I have enough things that are out of control in my life. I don't need to try to control anything else. But ignoring the needs of others. My life is the most important thing. Accomplishing my goals, getting pleasure, fulfilling my needs. And gratitude. I have what I have because I worked for it. Or at least because I deserve it. Plus there's other things I deserve. Disobedience. I know what the Bible says, but I have a better way. Discord. 
I have no need for a relationship with you. I will be able to accomplish what I need without unity. Prejudice and racism. Those people just aren't as good as we are. You know, this is how sin manifests itself in our lives. And I think it even, it even can go further. It can go into discipling. You know, unwilling to accept biblical correction. You're unwilling to get advice. Maybe it was conveyed to you in a way that you didn't want to receive it, so you figure, you know what, forget it. I'm just not going to take the advice. Because they didn't say it with the tone that I wanted to hear it in. You know, or this person hurt me in the past, so I'm not going to listen to him. You know, pride ultimately keeps us from being refined by God. And we know that refinement, it's, it's a hard thing to go through. You know, when they refine gold, it's heated up, and the impurities rise to the top, and then they scoop it out, and then you can have pure gold. And this is what God wants to do with us. But when we're unwilling to listen, then we can't be purified. And then we wonder why our lives are filled with chaos, and we don't feel close to anybody. We don't feel close to the disciples around us. We don't feel close to the people in our ministry. We start to blame the region, the region leader, the Bible talk leader. And then we start to get far from God. You know, but when was the last time you examined yourself and asked others, you know, do you think I'm prideful? What are some areas that you think I could grow in? You know, James 4, verse 6, it says, But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, to be opposed to someone is to be at battle with them, at war. God will oppose you if you're prideful. He's not on your side. You know, but it says he shows grace or favor to the humble. And in the Greek, I believe it's pronounced Harris. Brandon, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But it equates to mercy, kindness, goodwill, reward, delight, sweetness, charm, pleasure, and joy. You know, those are things that we receive, and those things are awesome when we get them. God wants to lift you up. You know, but in our world today, humility is really, really hard to find. It's so rare. I mean, think about this for a second. Just take a look at our nation and the state that it's in. Truth has become relative. What's true for you is true for you, but it's not true for me. And what's true for me is true for me, but it's not true for you. And some of us have gotten to a place where we try to protect and only look out for ourselves. Because who is going to look out for us, right? We try to protect ourselves. And so in trying to protect ourselves, we label people to discredit them. You know, that person is just clueless. They're a racist. They're a hater. They're self-righteous. So by 
creating labels, we create these divides with one another. And so we slowly start to drown in our sin and not allowing anyone to keep us from drowning. So what do we do? You know, I have a friend who um, was in the Coast Guard. He was a rescue swimmer. And part of their training, he was telling me, if you're trying to rescue someone who's drowning um, and they try to pull you under and they're fighting you, what you have to do is you have to get low. And you've got to dive under the water. And when you dive on the, under the water, they, they're not going to follow you because they're, they, they're drowning. And so you can come up from behind and then save them. And you know, in the same way, when we're dealing with pride in our lives, the only way that we're going to be saved is if we get low. And we humble ourselves. You know, I want you guys to think about this for a second. What type of person wouldn't let someone help them when they're drowning? Like, seriously, if I'm drowning and somebody's trying to help me, I'm not going to be like, get off me. What are you doing? You know, it doesn't make sense, right? But people have died. People literally have died fighting off the rescue swimmers. I mean, that's a trip to me. You know, so when we're unwilling to listen, when we're unwilling to seek help, ask for advice, we become like that person who's drowning, fighting off the rescue swimmer. And we could, up, we could end up drowning spiritually. You know, I want to ask you, have you guys been drowning in your pride? You know, pride is deadly. In the book, it says that in everything that we do, there's reason. There's reason behind what we do. But pride, there's never a reason for pride. You know, what's interesting is, is that we can take pride in what we've done and what we've accomplished, where we live, what we drive, how much money is in the bank account. But anyone who has ever accomplished anything, like it says in the book, never did it on their own. There's always someone helping them, always someone lifting them up, always someone training them. You know, so why be prideful? You know, the book states that no man is an island and no man stands on his own. You know, when was the last time you were grateful for someone helping you? When was the last time you said thank you? Thank you, Anthony. You know, for correcting you. Uh, when I was 22 years old, I remember I started working on my own. I went to a tech school. It was UTI, uh, automotive tech school. And I started working for Cadillac. And I ended up buying or leasing a Subaru. And at the time, I was pretty p proud of my accomplishment. You know, I worked hard for it. I went to school. I graduated. And, but I was really selfish with the things that God had given me. I was selfish with my car. Uh, I didn't want to take people here and there. I'd be cynical when they didn't have one. I'd be like, why, didn't, why don't they have a car? Look what I did. I worked hard for it. Why can't they do it? And I remember even times where I've, I took people somewhere. And I'd be like, hey, bro, we got to go. And they're like, hey, just one minute. I'm just talking to this girl I like. I'm like, come on, man, I got to go. Let's go. You guys all know that person, right? 
Oh, I am that person. Um, I love you, babe. And, and I was so prideful and so arrogant, and I couldn't wait for them, and I would leave them there. I know, I know. Why am I even up here? And what happened later was I was driving in Hollywood. And we know God, what God does to people that are prideful, right? He humbles them. So I'm driving down Hollywood, or driving in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard, and this lady in a Zuzu Trooper crosses the double yellows and hits me head on. Totaled my car. And it was a lease, so the only thing I got out of it was $100. And then I lost my, I lost my job working at Cadillac. And so my driving record was so bad at the time, I couldn't even get a job in my field. So I had to work doing valet. And so I worked at a hospital parking other people's cars when I didn't have one. And these doctors, now, not, not all the doctors were like this, but a lot of the doctors treated me like I was the lowest of the low, like I was dirt. And I hated my job. And I remember at that time, I really needed to draw near God. And so you would think that by now I would have learned from my pride, right? Well, I didn't. God gave me a new discipler, a new mentor, someone who is younger than me spiritually and someone who is younger than me physically. And I said, what are you going to teach me? You're younger than me spiritually and physically. What, what, what can I learn from you? And that's, I literally said that. And that brother, I'll never forget him. He said, you know, bro, I just, I just want to love you and, and serve you. And I learned, I'll never forget that because I learned from him that I learned how to truly serve and to truly love someone. And hopefully now I feel like I can be discipled by anybody. You know, when humility is present in our lives, we can be taught by anyone. And it doesn't matter how old, young, rich, or accomplished they are or aren't. You know, I want to ask you, could anybody come up to you in this room and disciple you? Could anybody come up and give you advice or correct you? You know, I'd like to say that this is my mentality, but it took me getting low, or this was my mentality, but it took me getting low and looking at myself with sober judgment. I want us to go to page 24 in the book. And so at the bottom of page 24 where it says there is a it says there is a God and you are not him (laughs) there is a great and awesome God who created the heavens and the earth and you are not him there is a God who knows all and understands all and is in control of all and guess what you are not him 
and I am not him. He is God and we are not. He is great. He is the great God. And you and I are small people, very small people in comparison. You know, I want to talk about Job for a second. Job was an amazing guy in the Bible. I mean, he was extremely righteous, so much so that Satan took notice of him. And he said, God, I bet you this guy, I bet you he won't follow you if you take away all his blessings. And God's like, try it. And so Job starts undergoing all this torment, loses his family, his livestock, you know, everything that he owns. And, but he, he's able to maintain a good mentality for a while, but then you start to see that he starts to become cynical. It's like, why did this happen to me? Like, God, what, did, what have I done to deserve this? What's going on? Why, why am I not being blessed? Haven't I not kept your commands? And so we're going to pick up in Job chapter 38. Verses 1 through 11. It says, The Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out or who stretched a measure line or measuring line across it? On what were its footings set or who laid the cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted with joy, who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed its limits and set the doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you have come and no further, here is where your, your proud wave halts. You know, at times we think God owes us an explanation for what we're going through. You, you may be going through hardship and you think, God, what is going on? I don't deserve this. I don't deserve what I'm going through. I don't deserve to have my car totaled. I don't deserve to work doing valet and have doctors treat me like dirt. You know, we think we are owed something because we remained faithful. Or there should be a reward for our righteousness because we're, we're so righteous, right? Luke chapter 38, verses 1 through 11. Or sorry, not 38. Luke chapter 17, verses 7 through 11. It says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper and get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, 
We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. You know you're righteous? Good. Good job. You set up chairs? Good job. You ushered people in? Oh, you're amazing. What? You helped set up sound? You preached? DK? DK, come up here. Bro, can you please pat me on the back? All right. You know, we get upset or mad or angry when people don't thank us or applaud us for our efforts. You know, we can feel entitled. But as disciples, we should thank each other, right? We should lift each other up. We should encourage one another. But when we feel entitled, we feel like God owes us. We feel like he owes us a job or a promotion or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And when we don't get those things and we're not treated in the way we feel we should be treated, we contemplate leaving God. Or we do leave him. But we need to humble ourselves. We need to communicate what we need instead of dying to ourselves. I'm sorry, that came out wrong. So instead of humbling ourselves and communicating what we need, we need to start dying to ourselves. Nope, that came out wrong too. God is humbling me right now. Yeah. Instead of being prideful, we need to communicate our needs to one another. You know, we die spiritually if we don't. We leave if we don't. But we also need to ask one another how each other is doing in humility. Because if we don't, we, we, are, we are each other's brothers and sisters. We are responsible for one another. And we need to communicate with one another when we get hurt. Or when we feel our needs aren't being met. You know, I love Paul. I think Paul is a great example of, you know, just humility and understanding what God has done for him. And so I want us to read Philippians chapter 3. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. Actually, 4 through 14. It says, though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. 
But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings and become like him in in death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul wasn't motivated by the thank yous. He wasn't motivated by the praise that he received or didn't receive. But he was willing to lose everything for the sake of Christ. And somehow, maybe making it to heaven, right? He understood that Jesus was the ultimate example. The God on earth who denied himself, lowered himself so he could lift others up and make them great. You know, I want us to consider his example. God on earth, lowering himself to make us great. Washing the disciples' feet, feeding them, clothing them, taking care of their needs. This is how we're supposed to be towards one another. And with that, let's remember that this is the basis for humility. Amen? You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.